So how many of you have been here throughout the month of July to listen to our Presence series? It has been over the top. It's really been, I said to Lyle earlier in the week, it's almost as if it's getting weightier and weightier and weightier, almost like the presence is just kind of seeping in, you know, like we're being planted, right? And like the soil of the presence of God. And I don't know, there's something, something happening and I'm here for it. I love it because I am convinced that without the presence, we can do nothing. That is the foundation of my life. Without the presence, I can do nothing. And sometimes I amend it and say, I can do nothing beautiful. You know, I can do nothing beautiful without the presence. I can do a lot of things, but none of it's going to stick and none of it's going to be legacy and none of it's going to speak to eternity. I can do something that the world applauds and never do something truly beautiful, but in the presence, in the presence, you can be at home with your babies for 18 years and nobody applauds it, but heaven does. Because that's the presence. That's what happens in the presence. That's eternal. You know, nobody has to applaud what you're doing for it to be eternal. Right? In the presence, in the presence, everything grows. And in the presence, everything is eternal. Yeah, I, I just feel like even what I said in the beginning, it's prophetic for you. It's don't despise the day of small beginnings. You're going to see a harvest and it might not be until eternity and it might not be until heaven, but you're going to see a harvest. The places where you've sown, do not get weary in doing well. Do not get weary in doing well. That's a word that I've been giving so many of my friends in this season. Do not grow weary in doing well. Don't check out because what you're doing is special and it's important and heaven is so blessed by it. So that's what, that's what this whole series has been about is rooting us and planting us and creating that firm foundation that all of our lives are to be built off of. It's just the presence. If that was the only thing we ever talked about, if, the, if Jesus was all we ever talked about and we never talked about anything more, we didn't, you know, it'd just be enough, right? It'd be enough. <laughs> so we're going to continue in that this morning. I don't, some of you have known me for a long time. Some of you just met me in the last, since you've been coming to Legacy. But for those of you who don't know me, I grew up in a house where I had mostly sisters. I had an older brother or have an older brother. He is what I like to call my magical unicorn brother. He's so sweet. He's, you know, dotes on me. He never wiped his boogers on me. He never locked me in a bathroom. He never, you know, none of that stuff. So I had this very, um, you know, female-driven environment that I grew up in. And I loved it. I just loved every second of it. My sisters are my best friends on the whole planet. And I just love all things girl. I went through a tomboy phase where I would only wear boy cargo shorts. It's fine. It was a good phase. Um, <laughs> I do have pictures to prove that phase. But, but, you know, aside from that, I just love all things femme. You know, I'm like, all the things. 
So if you came to my house on a Saturday night when I was growing up, there were two things that would be happening. The first is hair braiding, right? So I'm biracial and my hair was probably down to here when I was growing up and there were three girls and we all had this gorgeous, curly, long hair that you can imagine was a monster to deal with at times. But my mom just loved it and loved us. And she would spend hours and hours sitting with us and braiding our hair. And for me, there was so much love in that moment that she would do that for us. And she would sit with us and she would take time. And it made me feel really like loved and accepted. And so on Saturday nights, that was, that was the night that we did all of our braiding. And then the other thing that was definitely happening on Saturday night, if you showed up at my house, was movie night. So my dad is, you guys know my dad, right? Okay, if you don't know my dad, he is the most adorable bass player. He's so cute. So he, he's literally, the, I'm just like him, okay? I'm just like my dad. I am my dad in female form. And he would be so extra. He's still the most extra about movie night. So if I go over to his house now as an adult and it's Saturday night, we're having movie night and he's cutting up cheese and grapes and crackers and hummus and all the things. And it's always accompanied by a massive bowl of popcorn. And that's how it's always been. And obviously with a house full of girls, what I, we watched a lot of rom-com, romantic comedies growing up and I love romantic comedies. I love watching love. Like it's just, I, I think like probably most of you know that cause I'm so gushy with Lyle. Like I just love love and I love watching love and I love watching movies about love. And growing up, we just, we would, all we would do was rent romantic comedies and just sit down on Saturday night and we'd giggle about them. And our favorite one by far was Father of the Bride because that's the greatest movie of all time. And my dad, whenever all of us got married, you know, every girl got married, we sat down with my dad and we all, we watched Father of the Bride and we cried. I don't know what, why we do that stuff to ourselves, but we did. And we would sit down and we would watch the movie and we'd cry. And still to this, well, my little sister just got married about six months ago. And we, we sat down, we cried, we watched Father of the Bride. And it's still just this sweet place for me. And, but that's how I grew up. I love watching romantic comedies. Lyle is, grew up in a house full of boys, so exactly opposite of me. And a romantic comedy for him is basically like cutting off his hands. <laughs> He's like, I would literally rather gouge my eyes out than watch a romantic comedy. I don't, I don't know. But I remember watching those movies dreaming of what love would be like. You know, and like having this experience of like what marriage would be like and having this whole idea painted for me of what romance would be. And I, to be honest, I'm still completely like obsessed and I love watching love stories unfold in a movie. But, you know, I, I'm such a hopeless romantic. I'm not like a hopeful romantic, right? Because, you know, I believe that true love does exist. But I, I was like, oh, just this whole idea of being in longing and, and the story. And to be honest, even as a teenager, some of you will relate to this, but I was like a serial journaler. Like I just journaled every single thing in my high school years. And let's be honest, if I met him one time, I knew what wedding dress I was wearing. 
My kids' names were Marissa and Kyle. Those are my kids. And I just had this, I don't know, I just lived in this place where I was like, oh, just, I love the idea of love, and I love falling in love, and I, I was just so obsessed with the story, right? But when I met Lyle, and when I actually got married, you could imagine, like, some of my fantasy was brought to reality, right? Luckily, like, Lyle and I, I kind of feel like we're in a romantic comedy sometimes. We learned, we've learned to laugh a lot. Um, but to be honest, the real life on life engagement was not something that those movies prepared me for, right? It never prepared me. So I think I lived in this world where this fantasy was going to be my reality. But then once I met face to face real love, I was like, oh, it's so much better, right? This is so much better. It is challenging, and it is stretching, and we butt heads, but boy, is this fun. And I, I figured out really quickly that this idea, this fantasy of love would not hold, the foundation of that was not going to hold up when it came to my real life love story, right? I was like, this is not going to hold up. So I think my question for you this morning is this, how many times do we settle for fantasy of God and not really engage with the real Jesus. How many times have we settled for entertainment instead of real engagement with the presence of God? The title of my message this morning is Engagement Over Entertainment. Thanks. Here's a, here's a tip from me on how I prep messages. The Lord gives me titles before he ever gives me messages. And I'm like, he works them out with me over time. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Engagement over entertainment. He's like, hey, like, let's go on a journey, right? So we're going to dive into Hebrews today. So if you want to follow me to Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16, this is kind of going to be our main, our first text this morning. If you don't have your Bible or your app this morning, it'll be on the screen behind me. And this is what it says. Verse 14. So then, since we have a high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly. To the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. At Legacy, we are presence people. If you come here for more than one Sunday, you're either going to be a little uncomfortable because of how much Lyle and I jump in worship or whatever, what we talk about, or, or your spirit's going to say something like, oh, like, man, there's something in here that speaks to me. And we're just presence people. We just can't get away from it. We won't get away from it. We refuse to get away from it. And for me, this is what it means to be presence people. It's this, we care more about engaging the person of Jesus than we care about being entertained. The presence isn't available to you for your entertainment. It's available to you for authentic connection and transformation. Jesus died for our connection, right? 
He died for our connection. And this verse, Hebrews 4, articulates this picture of how we are to approach our connection with the perfect, the most glorious being in all of the universe. And it's with boldness because there's grace there for our connection. And I, I had this picture of Jesus on a throne. And honestly, whenever I see Jesus on a throne, it's kind of like uh, a rattan chair. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's, I don't know. That's just what I see. I see this like really, I don't know, like humble throne. I don't know if that makes any sense. But I just see this picture of him on this humble throne. And he's basically rolled out a red carpet for me. And I'm standing on the edge of the red carpet, unable to actually just take the steps forward to actually encounter him. And he's heartbroken across the way from me. And he's like, I, honey, like I died for this connection. Like, you don't have to clean up the stuff to come to me. Like, just come with boldness. I have grace here. There's grace at my throne for our connection. And so much of my life, I traded a real life-giving connection. And not even just so much of my life, in and out in my current life. I've traded real life-giving connection and just like sat at a distance having this fantasy idea, this entertaining idea of who God is and what my connection with him could be like, but I'm never actually taking the steps right forward to actually encounter and engage with the real person of Jesus. And there's, there's this thing with movies, right? If you don't like it, what can you do? It's like, turn it off. Just walk away. Just see you later. That is not how it works in my marriage. I can't just turn it off and just walk away. If it's not entertaining, if Lyle doesn't like smile enough or like compliment my dress enough or, you know, do all the things that I saw on Gone with the Wind or whatever. Like, it, you know, I can't just turn it off. I can't just be like, bye, see you later. It's just boring now. <laughs> and that's because there's something about entertainment that can't be realized like when you actually engage with somebody face to face, right? So entertainment by nature, I think we would all say like the entertainment industry struggles with this idea of authenticity, struggles with an idea of being more than just a shallow pool. And if you're in the entertainment industry and you're going against culture, the culture of the entertainment industry, it feels hard sometimes, right? Because you're like, what if I want to be authentic? What if I want to be real? What if I want to write the real stories and the real songs? It feels like there's this tension and this fight against it because entertainment is hurried and it's always looking looking for what's next, right? It's just like, oh, like on to the next thing, you know, like whatever's next, that's what I'll have. That's entertaining, right? But the problem with what's going on to the next thing is that you never actually get rooted. You know, this whole experience that we're having as a family, you never have that weightier, weightier rooted experience because you're always looking for what's next. And you never have the opportunity to grow up into something that's strong and really will withstand the storms of life. The presence isn't something, and Lyle says this a lot, but the presence isn't something that we feel, you know, alone. It's not just this like warm, fuzzy feeling. The presence is the person of Jesus, right? 
the presence is the person of Jesus. Like, it's not this, like, warm, fuzzy idea that we, like, you know. I don't know. I think I just always thought that. I just always thought that the presence was something that I had to be feeling and not something that I could just rest in knowing. But the presence is somebody that you know, right? The presence is somebody that you know. So if you use the presence as a form of entertainment, and I'm not going to lie, the presence of God is the most entertaining place to be on the planet because in the presence you find the power to see supernatural things happen. And yeah, it's so entertaining. The, the truth of the presence of God is just so entertaining. But if the presence is all you're after, or the presence for entertainment is all that you engage with, you're going to miss out on the person. Lyle spoke a few weeks ago about getting the point, but missing the person. You can't miss the person of the presence, but if we engage with the person of the presence, there's connection and there's peace. And it's always asking the question, what can I do to make this better? Or even better, what do you want to do to make this better? Entertainment says, I can go to what's next, but engaging, engagement with the person of the present says, where I am should look completely different because I'm here. And because I'm here, you're here. And we're in perfect alignment. This should change. And I've been heartbroken over the years to see so many people that I love, love, love dearly and still love dearly, but walk away from church because they didn't ask the question, what can I do to make this better? And instead, they were so hurt and they were so overwhelmed that they just turned it off. And that to me was like, oh, are we just here to be entertained or are we here to actually see transformation happen? Because you and I both know I'm not perfect and I know that we're here not perfect. I assume that we're not perfect. <laughs> you guys could probably be perfect, but I'm definitely not. And I know that we're going to have moments where we butt heads and we run into real life and you like want to hit the eject button. But engaging with the person says, I'm going to stay and I'm going to see what I can do to make this better. That's, that's covenant, right? That's the real life on life connection. No sappy movie can teach you how to do that. And I think we live at this idealized level of life that we check out whenever things get hard. And that is how I know that I know that the the church as a whole, for the most part, at least Western church, okay? I can only speak in my context. Western church is more enthralled with being entertained than they are with engaging the person of the presence because, like, what happens if I take all these lights away? What happens if I take all of this away? What happens if, like, Junior's not even that good of a singer? You know, like, what happens, right? Do you show up? Do you show up because he's here and because you're in love? Because you love the family and because you feel called? There's something about understanding that the inner, like all this stuff, all this stuff that's here is beautiful. And we do it because that's our response to his goodness, right? 
He's good, and we want to give him our best. We want to give him our best. But if it's not all here, we can still give him our best, right? And we're still going to show up because we know that his life in our lives brings transformation. God does not want a fantasy relationship with you. He didn't die for our entertainment. He wants a heart fully surrendered, fully connected. He wants the real you and he wants all of you. God is not searching the earth looking for somebody who's impressed by him. He's looking throughout the earth for a heart that's fully his, fully his, fully devoted, fully engaged. I did not look around and throw a rock and the first person or first man I hit, I'm like, oh, I'll marry that one. You know, like they're impressed by me. No, like my heart looked for somebody who was willing to engage with mine, right? Right? That's what God does. That's what the presence of God does. He looks all over the earth and he says, who will, who will have covenant relationship with me? Who can I have real life relationship with? Who will stay? Who will engage? Who will be present? Who will see transformation happen? And that's what he's looking for. I promise that his grace made a way for you to approach him. In your fullness, in your funk, he made a way for connection when he died for you. Don't make a cheap connection because his price was so high. It's just so high. He gave everything, right? He gave everything. And for you just to have this distant rom-com relationship with the presence of God and watch it as it goes by doesn't mean that you're engaging with the covenant that he paid for. Doesn't mean that you're engaging with the life that he sacrificed everything for. And I think that if you know Pastor Lyle and I at all, you know that there's no way you have to convince me to be around him. Like there's, there's just no convincing. I'm like, Whatever, I'll buy the plane ticket, I'll be there. I just want to be wherever my love is. Like, I just want to be where the real life on life is. And I promise you, our connection has had more ups and downs than any romantic comedy that I have ever seen in the entirety of my life. But I do not want to engage with the same movie over and over and over again like I do with, with my husband, right? And that's the whole idea. You don't have to drag yourself to church when it's love. You don't have to drag yourself to the mission field because it's love. You don't have to drag yourself into community because it's just love, right? I can't, I can't say the right thing to get you to have a connection with the person of Jesus, right? I could, I, honestly, it'd probably just be better if I like set the going to get mad at me on the podcast, but <laughs> that would be more, but that would be, that would be more life transforming than anything I have to say to you, right? Because my words don't do anything for you. The real connection does it for you, right? Does it for real for you. I mean, to be honest, like this whole setup doesn't have to exist for there to be real life on life connection. But I, I have to say, like, I can't, also develop enough programming for you to connect with the person of Jesus. I can't make worship 10 minutes longer for you for there to be connection with Jesus. I can't do anything. It's just about you and him and us and him, right? There's this whole idea that 
that church has to keep me entertained long enough for me to have a transforming experience with the person of Jesus. I know, I know, right? That, it's real. Like, that's why you say, wow, because it's real and it's sad and it grieves me to know that there are people who don't know Jesus and we're so busy complaining about the lights or this, you know, I'm like, Jesus, help transform us. But humanity just loves to be close to love, right? And if we can't be close to real love, we'll settle for a fantasy of love. And I think that's kind of what I've experienced in my own life in certain seasons where I'm like, it's a fantasy. And usually I know when I'm having fantasy moments with God and not a life-giving connection with him when a storm occurs in my life and I just totally start to panic, right? Because fantasy, in the same way, like fantasy on a movie doesn't break your heart, right? Like it can't. It's not real for you. It doesn't break your heart. But also their joy and their love isn't yours either. It's just, it's out there. It's the same thing when you have that kind of a relationship with the person of the presence. Because at a distance, you know, there might be no disappointment, but there's no, you know, peace in time of storm and trouble. Because the first thing that like just falls by the wayside is what you know about God when you're just living for a fantasy relationship with God, right? Because you know a lot of things about God, but you don't know God, right? So you're like, I, I know he's good, but I'm in a storm. So abandon ship. He's not good. He's not kind. He's not full of mercy. He's not full of grace and forgiveness. And when I have that happen in my own life, I, I tend to start spinning out like cyclone. My life is like, oh no, where's like, I can't find solid ground. And that's how I know personally that I'm having this spectator experience with the person of the presence, right? Because we know that when we know God and we're engaging with the person of the presence, what happens when there's storms? You sleep in them. There's peace. There's life. There's covering. There's joy. Ephesians 2 12 and 13 says this, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You're excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus is, he's near for a reason, Right? He's near for a reason because my humanity cannot exist without him, right? So all of my storms, all of my stuff, all of my heartache cannot live without him, right? He makes everything beautiful. doesn't always make everything make sense, but he makes everything beautiful. Jesus came for connection, and that's full sentence stop. God pursues us and we respond to him by pursuing him back, right? That's why in our church experiences and services, we worship first, right? Because we've had a whole week of having experiences with God's goodness or maybe experiences that would lead us to a place of questioning God's goodness. But we get to come together on a day 
and we worship first, right? Because he's already been pursuing us, and all, our first response is just to pursue him back, right? Like, that's why worship is a little bit wild and crazy here, and we ask you to sing out and engage because we are longing for community longing for a church family that worships first their response to anything is worship it's hard worship it's good worship i'm confused worship that's what we're hoping to develop here and we truly believe that god cares about connection above anything else and when you're connected the truth is all of life becomes holy all of life becomes holy when you're connected. Yeah, that's right. Heidi Baker, who's a spiritual uh, mom to both Pastor Lyle and I, says that when you're engaged with God, when you're connected to the presence of God, everything just becomes holy. You just, you know, you sweep your floors and it's holy and you bust that table at the restaurant and it's holy because you would just, you bust it just like Jesus would. <laughs> like everything becomes this holy picture of who God is because truth be told is the world needs to see what a life connected to Jesus looks like. Because it all becomes holy and it all becomes life-giving. Life becomes peaceful and you're able to sleep in the storms that once kind of threw you off your rocker. And more importantly, it becomes a transforming experience for your soul, right? When we engage with the presence, we find all the answers to all of our questions. It transforms us. Everything becomes holy. Everything becomes beautiful. And all of a sudden, the world has a picture of what the real Jesus looks like. We, I, well, when we know Jesus, we become like Jesus. There's no, there's no way of getting around that. There is no experience where you know Jesus that you don't become like him. There's a way to know about Jesus and never become like him, right? But to know Jesus is to become like him because transformation isn't necessarily for ourselves, right? It's not like, oh, I encounter God. There's connection there and there's transformation because that's always the byproduct of connection is transformation because you're becoming like him and you know him and there's transformation. But it's not a, it's not a precursor to actually engaging with him, right? Because Jesus died for us when we were still sinners and he just wants to know us. He doesn't, literally, he doesn't care if you get transformed. I mean, he cares about it in the sense that he cares about the people around you. Because transformation has way more to do with how we encounter other people than it has to do with what we need to engage with him. There's no rules on how to engage with the presence of God. There's no rules on saying, oh, you have to be this clean in order to talk to him or this right in order to engage with him. You can come to him in all your funk. But I promise you when you come to him, there's going to be transformation. But it's going to be more for the people that you encounter out here and out there than it is for anything else. When we become like him, the world starts to know him, right? When we engage with the presence of God, we display the heart of Jesus in a way that is so beautiful. It's always been connection ahead of submission. 
always. Jesus' number one goal for his disciples, his disciples was friendship. Just friendship. Just be connected with me. Be in love with me. Be with me in the hard times and in the good times. Be connected. There is a sense of awe and reverence that I experience when I'm connected to the perfection of Jesus that I'm like, you know how to do this way better than I do. And I love submitting my preferences to him because I know that he's going to do it way better than I could ever do it, right? So there's just this natural byproduct that happens in that exchange. But more importantly, when we are connected to Jesus, there is transformation in our world. Presence people sleep in the storm. But presence people also calm storms. Calm storms. This is just a a submission to you. You can wrestle with it if you would like to DM me if you hate it. But I would argue to say that our culture and Western culture, because I can speak in my context, is largely uninspired by Christian Christianity as a whole because we have a fantasy relationship with the person of Jesus. We have no power. We have no authority. We have no love. We have nothing. We're just observing this perfect God at a distance and settling for it and we dip out whenever it gets hard and then re-engage whenever it gets a little bit harder but like the reality is the world is unchanged because we haven't been changed and we get changed when we encounter the real person of the presence church is beautiful when It's done with Jesus. But church becomes a social club that you can dip in and out of when it's done with fantasy Jesus that like, we we jokingly call it like house cat Jesus, right? Like the Jesus that like you bring close and you pet. And it's like, no, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He ain't a house cat. He cannot be tamed. And his world around your world is gonna bring transformation. You cannot exist in a world with Jesus and not have transformation. Compelled by love, presence people are motivated by love and not rules. And through us, through the church, and I'll say it again, through the church, through a healthy church, God pursues humanity. God pursues humanity. If the fact that Nashville, if, if we exist here on the corner of Gallatin and Seymour and nothing ever transforms, nobody's ever changed, nobody ever misses us if we're gone, we have, we have missed it, missed it entirely. We don't live from Sunday to Sunday. We gather on Sundays for courage encouragement, strength to do all that God is asking us to do in the world around us. But the truth is without the presence, none of it matters because none of it's eternal. 
But with the presence, everything matters. With the presence, everything becomes beautiful. With the presence, places where there was no love get flooded with love. If you see a place in your world that has no love, flood it with love because that is where transformation is gonna happen. That is where life-giving, life-altering transformation is gonna happen. Don't make them clean it up before you give them the love. Just do what Jesus says. Let them approach boldly the grace of Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 16 through 21 says this, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are his heirs of glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering, real life. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all of creation, for all of creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal to his children or who his children really are. Against the earth's will, all of creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Without you, the world doesn't know Jesus. We cannot afford to have fantasy, disconnected, entertainment-based relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. Nothing will ever change. They will never know love. They will never know eternal forgiveness. They will never know the sacrifice that Jesus made. But more importantly, they will never know that who they are now is fully accepted, fully loved. So what do we do? What do you do, you know? I ask myself that question a lot when I'm coming back to the real Jesus. I'm like, what do I do? And it just always comes up in my spirit, worship first. Just worship first. When you feel confused, just worship first. If you don't know where the presence is, worship first. Because it's always an appropriate response to the holiness of who God is. 